when I went and renewed my, my driver's license, I have a, a CDL license that I've earned for driving school bus. And that as I showed up just thinking I needed to show my, my last driver's license and I could just renew my new one, they said, no, we need a, a copy of your birth certificate. And I said, what do you need that for? Well, so we know who you are. I'm standing in front of you. I'm alive. <laughs> Here I am. No, we need a cop your birth certificate. So my wife and I had to journey to upstate New York to a little town called Oneonta, New York. That's where I was born almost 64 years ago. And there we got a copy of my birth certificate and brought it back for identification of who I am. Not only do we have a piece of paper or a plastic thing that identifies who we are, but we also carry with us internal identification. You've heard it before where parents say, you act just like your mother. Or you act just like your father. We carry internal identification with the mixture of genes and chromosomes and all of that, they form outwardly what really is happening internally. And so we are identified. When it comes to the life of a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, one who has placed their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we also have another identity. The scriptures call it our identity in Christ Jesus. Paul reminds us that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so in Jesus Christ, we have an identity that allows us the very access to the glories and wonders of God and all of heaven. But I'm afraid too often that we as believer people don't really fully understand our identity. Who are we? Really, who are we in Jesus Christ? There's a dynamic chapter in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6. I want to give to you three truths of our identification in Jesus Christ. And Romans chapter 6 is a chapter that explains it and clarifies it very, very well. I'm going to read for you just the first 14 verses of Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, or you may have, God forbid. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with him, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The truth that we believers become have to have victory over this old nature or the flesh is, is, if you will, found in this, what is called our identification with Christ. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 gives us three things, three actions, if you will, that we must do in order to understand fully our identification in Jesus Christ. And once you understand that, dear people, I will guarantee you that you are not a slave to sin. You've been set free. Someone ought to say amen. We've been saved. We've been set free. The first one is this. We should know something. We should know what it is for our identification. In fact, the word know is used in verse 3, 6, 9, and 16. A form of know. And in this realm, the understanding of that word that's translated for us, whether know or knowing, comes from the root word, which means something that we understand, something that we have investigated and have come to understand the meaning. Chapter 5 of the book of Romans is, ends a first section which literally ties in with what, Jesus, what God is saying in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's chapter 5. Christ died for us. He paid the penalty of my sin and the sin of the whole world. He literally, willingly, it says in Hebrews chapter uh, uh, 11, that, that he willingly, or chapter 12, he willingly went for the joy that was before him to suffer the shame, endure the cross for us. He paid our sin price. 
Why? Because God demands a payment for sin. And Jesus Christ paid that. And chapter 6 begins by saying, this is something you ought to know, to understand. It begins by asking a question. It's one of those questions that the answer is obvious. It's the kind of question that your children will ask you, can I go outside and play in the road? No! That's an obvious answer. The question that the Apostle Paul says, knowing this, should we continue to sin that grace would abound? The Apostle Paul says, certainly not. Or forbid it to even come into your thinking. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for us, and he said in verse 3, knowing this, that because Jesus Christ died for us, we have been baptized, if you will, with his death. We've been baptized with his death. So what does that really mean? The Apostle Paul goes on to explain it more thoroughly when he talks about when Jesus Christ died for our sins, he literally not only paid the price for our sins, but by grace through faith and in knowing and trusting in him, we too are dead to sin. Let me let you in on a little secret that the evil one doesn't want you to know. It's this. You don't have to sin. You can say, no, I will not do that. Why? Because if you have died with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, if you have come to know him by faith, if you have placed your trust in him and him alone, Jesus Christ, when he died to sin, he set you free from sin because he conquered death and hell. And the evil one doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't mind you being religious. He just doesn't want you to get into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Be all religion you want. But when an individual comes to know something and they understand it fully, dear brothers and sisters, we have been set free from the power of sin through the death of Jesus Christ. His blood, as he shed it upon the cross, paid our price that we needed. That was our penalty, and Jesus Christ willingly paid it. That's what you need to know. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, we do not need, we do not have to come to succumb ourselves to the battle of the forces of darkness. When they come along tempting you, you can say, no, I will not. The world can't do that. Those who do not know Jesus Christ have no regard but to obey the forces of darkness. But in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, 
we have within us, Holy Spirit, whereby if we rely on his power, we can be set free. Our identification has been solidified in heaven because our Savior has been crucified, buried, and rose again. Something we need to know about our identification. I am not mine anymore. I belong to Jesus Christ and him alone. The second thing that we should be aware of, that we should know, that we should do, is to reckon that. Reckon yourselves, it says, unto God. That word reckon literally means a willingness, if you will, a willingness that that as individual lives, we simply say by faith that as God says, I will do. What God says, I believe it to be true. What God says, I will strive to do. And what God says, I'm thankful that he's given us the power in order to do that. We are to reckon ourselves, knowing what we know, and then we are to believe it to be so, we are to reckon ourselves under the hand of our great God. We are to reckon our instruments, our persons, of instruments of righteousness, that whatever we do or say is for his honor and for his glory. We are to know something. We are to know that Jesus Christ died for us. Therefore, we have been set free, and we act upon it by reckoning ourselves in him, identifying ourselves with him. The third thing is yield. Yield. Yielding is the object lesson that you have when you're trying to get on an interstate. As you are coming up to get on the interstate off of another, on the ramp, there's a sign. It's an inverted triangle with a point pointing down, in case you haven't noticed it before. It's red, and it says, yield. In other words, you are to willingly place your will under the will of of an 18-wheeler coming at you. Don't try to mess with them. Amen, Brother John? Don't mess with them. You will lose. Some of you have seen unyieldedness as you are coming, as you are on the turnpike or the freeway, and individuals are coming on you know they're not going to stop. They have refused their will. They want to usurp over your will. But as a believer person, we are to yield ourselves unto God, taking our will and placing it under his will, and we do it willingly. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin. 
I've been set free. I'm going to let you in on another secret that the evil one doesn't want you to know. It's this. As a believer, you no longer call the shots. Jesus Christ does. Now, one of the ways that weakens our relationship, our identification with Jesus Christ is this. Is the evil one will try to keep you out of the word. Have you found that out? There's an interesting line that says, seven days without the word of God makes one weak. Not W-E-E-K, W-E-A-K. But I'm here to tell you, not seven days. Stay out of it for one day and see what happens. This is the battleground. This is our ammunition. It's talked about in Ephesians chapter 6. The word of God is our shield against the fiery darts that the evil one may slay at us. You want to know what it is to live above circumstances of the day? Go into the word of God and find out that God has never left you and never will forsake you. That under the shadow of the Almighty, there you will find great peace. To recognize the fact that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. The evil one wants to keep us weak. He doesn't want us to know about our identification. I really wish, I really wish that we had, once we came to know Jesus Christ, that a, a license or something would come from heaven that we can take and, and maybe just put it on us. But I'm here to tell you, it already has. And you just don't know it yet. His name is Holy Spirit who lives and reigns within you. You don't have to say yes to sin. You can say no to sin. That means you don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be unloving. You don't have to be worried you don't have to be consumed by this world's issues why you've been set free and what is so dynamic about the two services today whether it's baptism or communion service it speaks they speak of our identity in jesus christ this is the foundation of our faith. That is the expression of our faith. This is a reminder of the elements of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ crushed for us. That is a reminder of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what is dynamic about both of them is the testimonies that you're going to hear and how Jesus Christ has changed these individual lives 
that we will have the privilege of being a witness to their proclamation. So if we can have those who are going to be part of the baptism service, if you would go and get ready, please. And as you're going, we're going to sing a couple of songs, but first let's have a word of prayer together. We thank you, our God, for today. And for the power of your word and the, the wonderful truth that our identification is in Jesus Christ. That we no longer are slaves to sin, for we have been set free. And we thank you that not only have you paid the price by shedding of your blood, Lord Jesus, for our sin, but that day by day, moment by moment, you walk with us, you strengthen us, and you speak to us and comfort us through the Holy Spirit, whereby we, whenever we are tempted by the forces of darkness to walk away, we can say no, for I am dead to sin and alive unto Jesus Christ. These testimonies that we will hear, Lord, will first be a testimony of your greatness to us and what you have done for us. And then these testimonies will be that which will encourage us the things of Jesus Christ. So thank you, Father, for this time, for this moment, for this service, to honor you in all that is said and done. And we praise you in thy name. Amen.